Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. Prepare to be transformed by God's undiluted word. This morning I'm speaking about something that I actually consider very important. I, I'll go slowly with it. I'll read a number of scriptures, but it's not so much where I'm doing an exposition in scriptures. It's one where I am I'm sharing thoughts of my heart, principle that I think is important for us to not miss in our day and time. And that's about generational thinking. My subject this morning is just that, generational thinking. I'll get to explain what I mean. You'll get to see what I'm talking about in generational thinking in a couple of minutes. But I remind us that... um, Last week, we spoke about the fact that we're strangers, we're pilgrims here on earth. I wanted to establish in us that pilgrim mentality, that here in this place, we're visitors, we're strangers. That no matter how long we live here, the night of our lives will come. Today is day, the night will come. We saw last week that a man's existence Um, is not measured in euros and cents. (laughs) No. Jesus in his words, as we read last week, said to them, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. As we become richer in this world, I was trying to say to us last week, as we become richer in this world, we must also have attention on how rich we are towards God. He said to that rich young fool in scriptures, he said, you have been, he said, you are rich in this world. He said, but you are not rich towards God. When we finished the service last Sunday, that word came and just spoke it at the end of the service that you should use the remaining of your days to beautify your night. And I, and I, and I do hope that such words, if you're somebody that hears such things and it just passes you by, you're not in a good place. Everybody that is sensitive to God, you hear such things, you take them to heart. And I, and I really would like us to take those words to heart and it, to let it affect how we live our lives. That was last week. Today, I want to, I want to wrap up that thought by adding um, another direction to it. And I would love every one of us to to think along with me. And this is what I'm speaking about today is that when the night of our lives come, which we have established the night is coming. When the night comes, the next generation after you must be better off because you were here. When the night comes, I'll repeat that for you this morning. When my night, let's make it this way. Let's let's not call it the night. Call it my night. I own it. When my night comes, my next generation must be better off because I was here. So while I'm telling us to think of the life after, to think of our journey, when the night comes, there's something you're going to leave behind here. And as I read scriptures, I find that the next generation 
is always on the mind of God. My job, while I am living, my friends, is to carry the next generation on my shoulders. And this morning, while many of us would have, we have a role to play in generally the next generation of the church, the next generation of our city, of our nation, that's not my focus today. My focus is your next generation, the children that God gives you. The children that he has given you, for those of you who already have children. The children that he will give you, for those of you who are going to have children. It is your job. It is your, your, your role, your job, your, your, your purpose to carry them on your shoulders as you live life such that when they start life, when your own night has come, they don't start life where you started life. They start life where you ended life. I hope I'm talking to somebody this morning. And you will find, as I read our scriptures today, that our God himself is a generational thinker. The Lord began to call my attention to this. He said, look at everybody that I dealt with in scriptures. God said, I never deal with a man alone. Everything I'm saying and doing to a man, I know that he is a man and give him 120 years maximum, he is gone. And the things I'm saying and the things I am doing, they have a longer lifespan than the man can be there for. So every time I'm dealing with a man, I'm dealing with him in the sense of a generation after him. And somewhere in our discourse as the body of Christ, the sense of generational thinking has been lost. So what I want to do this morning to help us with that is, first of all, I want to establish to us that the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, that God is a generational thinker. I want to establish that for us this morning to make us that the Bible is a generational book, that the Bible is never looking at anybody as just you yourself, and then when your night comes and it ends with you, everything we were walking with you ends there. You'll find, no, that's not God. Hopefully I can sort of begin to make you look, step back and look at the issue of generational thinking with a new set of eyes this morning. And then when I've sort of, when I think I've established that a little bit, then I'll look at two areas, there are many areas, where you need to make sure you leave an heritage for your children. And then I'll leave us alone to go this morning. So I'll establish the Bible is a generational book, God is a generational thinker. And then I'll look at two areas where you need to leave an heritage for those ones that remain when your night comes. The Old Testament, like I said, is you begin to read the Old Testament and you see um, all these places where chapter after chapter, they just, uh, and he begat. And he begat. How many of you love reading those places? That's your best place in the Bible. You wonder, why, 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 what are they there for? What are they there for? What's the purpose of it? Those things are things that begin to show you. God is a God that always wants to say, this person I'm dealing with, when God is dealing with one person, God is thinking in many ways about that person. God is thinking, what happened between me and his father? So, there are many things that will happen. The children of David, for example, will do things and God will say, because of, for David, your father's sake, I won't let this happen. So, where are you coming from? God is thinking about, God is thinking about what, what is coming after you as well. 
So that's why you will find in scriptures, the Bible will detail everybody's father and this begat this and this was the son of this and this was the son of that. There are people in the Bible that the only place they ever showed up is when we, they showed us who gave birth to them and who they gave birth to. Just to make sure there is no break in the chain. Are you understanding me this morning? God is, um, you will find there are things in the Bible. Listen closely today. There are some things in the Bible that God was doing and it began with one person and it did not finish with him and it only finished after he was gone. So David began to prepare to build the temple. Everything, you remember the temple? Everything that was required, the gold, the silver, the whatever they needed, the steel, the, the workmanship, everything that was required to build the temple, David had it ready. But God said, no, David, your job is to get it ready. You won't build the temple. Solomon now came after David was dead to build. So I'm thinking, God, so when you began to put it on the heart of David to put things together to build the temple, you knew David was not going to build it. But God is saying, I'm starting. You are the people that die. I don't die. So I make sure there's continuity here. Am I talking to these people still this morning? That's how God is doing some of these things. And I want us to begin to see that since Adam, God has never dealt with any man alone. Let me, let me just stop there and make sure that that sinks into your thoughts this morning. Whatever he plans and does in your life does not end when your night comes. Whatever God plans and does in your life does not end when your own night comes. God looked at Adam. You remember when God looked at him and he made him Genesis 1 verse 28. God said, and God says, God bless them. And God said to him, be fruitful and multiply. That is give birth to children. Give birth to children. Give birth to children. It was his job. It was part of his job to ensure that God has made only one. You have to keep on producing children so that this work can continue. Let's go and read a few scriptures this morning that will sort of show us again this thing that I'm trying to put in our put before us that the Bible is a generational book. God is a generational thinker. And for you today, when God is dealing with you, he's not dealing with you alone. Whatever he's saying to you, whatever he's planning with your life, he's planning it with respect to the kind of children he has given you and what he's expecting you to put in them so that whatever he's doing with you can continue after you are gone. So listen to this, Genesis 15. I want us to go and read it together. And there will be some things I hope will speak to us in these verses that I want to read in the next couple of minutes. Genesis 15, verse 18. Genesis 15, verse 18. The Bible says, in the same day, listen to this, this is God and Abraham. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with who? With who, people? He made a covenant with Abraham, but in making that covenant with Abraham, what did he say? Okay, so um, his seed is not there. Only God, in Genesis 15, only God and Abraham are standing there and God is making a covenant with Abraham and God is saying, I'm making a covenant with Abraham. Okay, what covenant are you making, God? And God says, the covenant I'm making is unto your seed. And the seed were those ones, that was Isaac, that was Jacob, that was Joseph, that were not yet born. But on the day that God was making the covenant with Abraham, the words that were already coming out of God's mouth was, I'm making the covenant with you, Abraham, but it's a covenant I'm making unto your seed. So what I did in my Bible to make sure that I have the correct sense is this. I marked in my Bible, covenant with Abraham, and then I marked unto thy seed. And I said, that means it's not about Abraham. It's about what comes after Abraham. If you understood that, give me an amen. amen. 
Very good. Genesis chapter 9. Everybody go there. I want us to read this. This verse is read about three or four places like this for us to begin to see that God is, God is always thinking beyond you. Genesis chapter 9 verse 11. This is Noah. And the Bible says, and I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off anymore by the waters of a flood. After the flood, God was making a covenant and said, I will no longer destroy the earth with a flood. He says, neither shall there be any more flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is, that was the rainbow. This is the token of the covenant, which I make between me and you. And this is just God and Noah. Between me and you and every living creature that is with you, then God added something. God says, this covenant I'm making with you now is for what? For perpetual generations. So, people that are, the, the, the reason you and I are here today, and when we, I think yesterday there was a tsunami somewhere, we know for sure water will no longer destroy the whole earth. It will never happen again. God made a covenant, and he said, I made it to you, Ada, to you, Noah. I make it to you and your children, but I make it for perpetual generations. God is never dealing with a man alone by himself. Genesis 18, let's go there. We're reading scriptures this morning. We're making ourselves see very clearly that God is a generational thinker, that the Bible is a generational book, and then I'll bring us to a place where I want us to begin to think about your, the heritage that you leave for your children as somebody that is a generational thinker as well. Genesis 18, from verse 17, the Bible says, And the Lord said, this is Abraham now again, And the Lord said, this was when they were going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, Shall I hide from Abraham? I want everybody, in, in, when we get to verse 19, you will need to really be able to see the words of verse 19 very clearly. Verse 17, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in Abraham. Verse 19, it says, for I know Abraham, I know him. This is God talking. God said, I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. And there is a semicolon, and the thing that comes after that is important. He says, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. What is verse 19 saying? For God to be able to bring what he has spoken to Abraham to come to pass depends on Abraham commanding his children after him. Do you see that? I want us to look at that very well in verse 19. God said, I know Abraham that he will command his children after him. There will be people that follow justice and judgment. And because he will do that, he says, so that the Lord, the things that God has promised to Abraham, God knows that. You'll find that many of the promises God made, I'll read the scripture in First Peter in a minute, many of the promises God made to them in the Old Testament, God knew they will not see it with their own eyes. There were not promises made to them for them. There were promises made to them for us. So God was saying that the things I promised Abraham, for me to be able to make them come to pass, Abraham has to command his children after him because many of those things I promised him are to come in generations after him. May God help us with generational thinking in Jesus' name. First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1. I'm reading scriptures this morning to help us see this beyond any doubt. First Peter chapter 1. This is where Peter was writing and describing the prophets of old as they were prophesying and as the Spirit of Christ was speaking in them. He said to them, First Peter 1 verse 10. Verse 10. 
Verse 10, if, 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 if scriptures cannot instruct us, what then can instruct us? And I hope that you have been instructed from scriptures this morning. It says, of which salvation, this salvation that you and I have today, our soteria, our sozo that we have today, it says, of which salvation? The prophets of old, they have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come, but as they were prophesying, they prophesied the grace should come unto you. So they were prophesying in their days, but they were prophesying to us. Verse 11, he's saying they were searching. Searching what? Or what manner of time the spirit of Christ which was in them did signify. The spirit of Christ in them was telling them something. But they knew that that thing he was telling them was for a time. So they were searching. What time is it? When the spirit testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Look at verse 12. It says, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us did they minister those things. So the things they were prophesying, they came to understand that they were not prophesying for themselves, but unto us. You and I must become generational thinkers like God. There are some things God is doing in your life right now. There are some things God is saying to you right now that are not really going to reach their full manifestation until the generation after you. But you could mess them up that they never happen. Am I still talking to people this morning? I want everybody to listen closely, please. And make sure that we are... Generational thinking is one of those things that if you read, particularly in the Old Testament, the people that walked with God, they didn't mess with that. Every man made sure that whatever he took from God, he passed it on <coughs> to the next generation. They kept on passing it on. And the next generation was always starting with God at a different level. By the time Isaac came, Isaac knew God a lot more than Abraham knew God when Abraham was starting. By the time we got to a man like Joseph, Joseph understood God a lot more than where Jacob, his father, was starting. That's a, that was the mindset they had. They knew that whatever God was doing, God was, God was, God was doing a project. A project that you will do your part of it and then you will, you will, you will put down you, you put down the gauntlet somewhere and then you pass it down to somebody else and you make sure that there is no looker, if you like it, that at the parts that you are there. But we've come to a point in our days where generational thinking is no longer there. One of the ways you will see this is in our days now, it is normal and it is, it is becoming accepted that people will say, I don't want to have children. I, I just don't want to have children. In the past, it was just not okay not to want to have children. But it is trendy even today to, I just want to focus on my career. I just want to do my things. I don't want to have children. Who says I must have children? I don't want to have children. But if you begin to read the Bible, you are irresponsible to say I don't want to have children. If, if your father said he didn't want to have children, you will still be a cell in heaven today. So, you will, if you begin to read, you see God said to Adam, and God said to Adam, now that you have been made, you now be fruitful and multiply. That was the command that God gave to Adam. But we've come in nowadays, it's just okay. What you do? I think it was this last week, how many people heard it, where the Pope said something and people were abusing him. And he said that um, if people prefer to have dogs and cats than have children, that they prefer to have pets and all that. And I had a lot of people abusing him and saying, uh, what does he know? Uh, does he know why people... And I, Of course, there are, there are cases where people want to have children and they can't have children and such cases are not what we're talking about, but where people just out of a sense of just being too selfish. 
I, I don't want anybody to stop my life. I want to do what I want to be able to do my life. It's because we don't, you want to live and die and it ends with you. Psalm 127. Let's, let's read three verses from Psalm 127. Some, some of these things that show that we're, we're living in these days when the generational thinking has lost its place. It's not like it used to be in the Bible. And I want to sort of try to make us, each and every one of us, to become people like that today and take up the job of raising, raising your children in a particular way as a very serious God-given assignment. Psalm 127 verse 3, the Bible says, Lo, children are the heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward. When he says, I, 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 don't, I don't want, he says, as arrows are in the hands of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. The Bible says, happy is the man that has his quiver full of them, that shall not be ashamed, but that man will speak with the enemies in the gate. There is an element of your spiritual authority that comes from the place of raising godly children. That's what the Bible is teaching here. That comes from the place of raising godly children. It says that's the heritage of the Lord. It says the fruit of the womb is the reward of God. So if there's anyone among us or, um, or that you are tending to go there or you have people that are tending to go there, it is not godly to come up, to be born and to decide, no, I just don't have the energy. I don't have the, the sense of responsibility enough to be able to give back to a child and raise a child for God. If everybody here in this church says, I don't want to have a child and everybody doesn't have a child, um, when we're all gone, what happens to the stone church? And if the stone church does that, and the rock church does that, and the sand church does that, and every other church in town does that, and then what happens to the body of Christ all over the place? So even if you don't like it, just give back to a child. And say, stone church, I give back to the child for you people. Oh. <laughs> I will say, thank you very much. Please help us to raise the child. <laughs> it's your job to do that. Everybody look at your neighbor for me this morning and say, it's my job to do that. One of those that have children as well are coming to a point where people come up with this philosophy and say, yes, I have children, but they, they have the chance to choose that direction for themselves. My children can choose that direction. Whichever way, I don't impose anything. How many people have heard people say that before? You've heard that? It's a philosophy of our day. I don't impose anything on my children. They choose. Did you see that in the scriptures? Did you see that in the Bible? That Abraham gave back to Isaac and said, Isaac, you see, I met one God one day. Uh, but I guess you, if you like. <laughs> no. This is, this is some of these, these things that have crept in. And it came from the world. It came into the church. And we just, no, they don't grow. They, they, God put them in your hands. By the time they get to the point where they're making choices, you've so infiltrated their hearts that they make the right choice. as for scriptures. We don't just give that to you and say, okay, just grow. And then as you grow, then whatever choice comes to your head. Outside, they will choose for you. Out there in the world, the world is not leaving them to make the choice. So, in, in, in case you have children, <laughs> choose for them. Let me just add this one. This one God didn't send me, but I will just add it. You see the king, the king, the Bible talks about the king. The Bible says foolishness is in the heart of a child. Leave him alone, foolishness is in his heart. But with the cane, it will be what? Driven out. So correction is a good thing. Sometimes I watch, some of you young couples in church, I watch some of you with your children. You, you have a child and you say, sit down. And the child is, uh, it's, 
who is the father here? <laughs> and, and I'm serious about this. I'm serious. You know, it's, it's this new age thing that says, no, you don't just pamper. No, 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 no. There comes the point where we become friends. That point is coming. Right now, my job is to, when you give back to a child, that child is like fresh, a fresh page of paper with nothing on it. All kinds of colors, all kinds of things can come on it. My job is to protect this to the, on, on, to the point where you are strong enough to protect it. My job is to give you the values of life. My job is to make sure that you understand authority. And then when we come to a point later on, when I've done my job very well, then we can become this palace. But at the beginning, that's not what we are supposed to be. So, if I, I, I'm, I watch sometimes. Remember I said, God didn't send me this one. I sent myself this one. I'm just watching sometimes. If you tell a child to sit, I, I, and I say this with a sense of, I've raised, we've raised three children. I've never seen when I brought any of my children to church and I say, sit down. You sit down. <laughs> How many people have seen my children just messing around? You sit down. Okay, let's leave that alone. Forget I said any of that. Let your children mess around like they like. But... um. What heritage should we leave for, with our children? What heritage should we leave? Two things I want to address this morning. There are many things that I would love to address, but two things I want to quickly address this morning. One is your spiritual heritage that you want to leave them. And the second one is the financial heritage. I want to address those two things. So we're thinking generationally today, because the day will come when it will be your night, and what you leave behind here should be that next generation that you have that must be better off because you were here. So first of all, let's address very quickly your spiritual heritage, your spiritual heritage. And I'll just read a few things to us that I've written down here. I'll read a few scriptures as well. But I want us to write these things down under your spiritual heritage and think about them. If your children don't get to know and serve the Lord, it's your failure. It is your failure. Whatever the circumstances that led to it, no matter how it was, and you say, God knows this, God knows that, if you know the Lord and your children don't get to know and serve the Lord, it is your failure. I say to everyone as well, don't leave their spiritual well-being to us in church. Don't leave their spiritual well-being to us in church. What you say to them, what you do to them, what you do with them is a lot louder than whatever we can say to them in church. Right now, all of our small children are there in the junior church. And one, one lady, two ladies, one man, one woman is there with them, spending an hour, two hours with them. And then you will take them away and bring them again in seven days' time. And then we get another hour or two with them. And you think that's where their spiritual well-being is going to be ascertained. If you look at the proportion of that time they spend there to their whole lives. No, no. So I said to you, please don't leave it to us. Second Timothy 1 verse 5. Look at that scripture where Paul was writing to Timothy. And was speaking about the heritage of Timothy. Timothy's spiritual heritage. I love this scripture. Second Timothy 1 verse 5. Paul said, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith, the kind of faith that was in Timothy, Paul saw it and said, ah, I appreciate this kind of faith that is in you. This, this real thing, unfeigned, it's not fake. This unfeigned faith that is in thee, but I realize now that that faith dwelt first in thy grandmother, Louis. Thy grandmother, Louis, and thy mother, Eunice. So, Louis was the grandmother. There was this thing that Louis had. Louis succeeded <coughs> to pass it down to Eunice. 
And Eunice succeeded to pass it down to Timothy. And then Paul said, and I am persuaded that it's in thee also. It is that, that, that quality of faith that was there in that grandmother was not lost down the line. I like this scripture because it helps us to see as well, even though men do have a role to play, have a place to play, but you cannot use, use as an excuse and say um, it was because the father was not there or whatever. <coughs> That's why I could not. No, 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 no. These were women. A grandmother to a mother. And then he came to a Timothy. And Timothy became a stalwart in the body of Christ. If God, if God is a, listen to me, if God is a sideshow to you, it will be to them. If God, and the old concept of God and church and the kingdom of God, if it's a sideshow to you, God will also be a sideshow to them. Just something on the side where religious people will go to church once in a while. But, um, yeah, okay. <laughs> listen, listen as well. If you highly honor God, when I say highly honor God, your children see it. They know that you are somebody that honors God. They see it. If God is your dread and the only one of Israel is your treasure, they see it. I'm just reading to us that, like I wrote it. If God is your dread and the only one of Israel is your treasure, your children see it. Talking about their spiritual heritage. If you delight in God's word, your children see it as well. Your children see it. Look at this scripture, Deuteronomy 6. Let's take it from verse 4. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thy heart. Then in verse 7, he said to them, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou lowest down, and when thou risest up. How many of us, how many families in this church get back home, say on a Sunday afternoon, and sit down together as a family and talk about the message together with your children and review it and talk about it and speak about the scriptures we read? How many of us have time to even let your children know that the word of God? He says, and thou shalt diligently teach these things. Let your children know what you believe, what you've seen in scriptures. He says, when you sit in your house, you will talk about them. When we sit in our homes and we chat and we talk to each other as a family, which we all do as families, how much is given to talking about the statutes of God? You notice in the Bible, particularly in the book of Deuteronomy, when the Bible speaks about the statutes of God, it said, let this be a statutes unto you in all your generations. In all your generations. In all your generations. And he sent them to them in that place. He says, teach them diligently to your children. He says, when you wake up, when you sit in your homes, talk about it. For many of us, the only time our children hear the word of God is in church. And that cannot be enough. Talking about their spiritual heritage. Let me press it on this morning. If you tithe, even in tight situations, they see it. They see it. If you go through tight financial situations, don't hide it from your children, particularly if they're grown up a little bit and they can understand things. Let them know that things are tough right now. Let them know that. But let them understand that at that time, even in the toughness of where we are right now, there are things we don't mess with because the only one of Israel is our treasure. 
So they, they see you. They know things are tough. They know times are hard right now. They know the job is not okay. They know your business is not running well and all that. But they see that you are still a tither. Like, you don't even have to say many things. Your children see it. Is the church listening to me this morning? For those of you who have no children, please don't, don't think, ah, let them be telling them. You will have children, and it is good that you already know this from day one before you have children. Some of us have to start correcting somewhere in the middle. Those of you that are yet to have children now, or some of the children are still very young now, it's time to begin to see it as a job. If you, if you dishonor and disobey spiritual leadership, your children see it. You're sowing a seed of rebellion. And that seed of rebellion will come to, ginger, to germinate. <laughs> and when it shows up, you'll be surprised. If you sow a seed of dishonor and disobedience to spiritual leadership, your children see it. So some of you come to church and you are, maybe you are, you are a member of a ministry in church and they say, this is how we want to do this in this ministry, in this church. And you just say, no, me, I, I cannot. I'll do my own simple stuff. Your children see it. You are giving them a spiritual heritage. Listen to me, my friend. If the next generation does not access God more than we are doing right now, then we are failed. Thank you for listening to this message. Please hit the subscribe button to be notified of new episodes. For questions, please send an email to pastormo at thestonechurchberlin.com. God bless you.